0: Welcome to the
1: Jam Yearbook. I'm Jim. And I'm Matt. We're here to take a trip to a different year of music each week
0: and share our opinions on what we found. Welcome to version 1997. Grunge was closing its door. Rock was becoming more radio friendly with bands like Third Eye Blind and Everclear. Woo!
1: Yeah, the Disney kids weren't ready to fill the void, but we have the Backstreet Boys, Spice Girls, Mariah Carey, and 90 Degrees to contend with. But after version 2009 last week, I'm sure everyone is waiting for me to lose my shit. <laughs> I promise to behave. Uh, before we get too deep into the show, we lost some significant figures in the music industry in 97.
0: Yeah, let's get started with this right away. We'll start off with Notorious B.I.G., otherwise known as Biggie Smalls or just Biggie. He's regarded this day as one of the greatest rappers of all time. His real name was Christopher Wallace. Christopher Wallace. Rooted in the East Coast style of gangster rap, he was immensely successful, selling millions of copies of his debut album. And it was produced by Sean Puffy Combs or P. Diddy or Diddy or whatever. You know, As time went on, he was awarded the Billboard Music Awards Rapper of the Year in 1995. On March 8, 1997, he was in California. He was attending a Soul Train's after party and he was in a convoy with three SUVs with Puffy in the SUV behind him. A black Impala pulled up alongside. Witnesses say a black man in a blue suit with a bow tie was alone in the Impala. The man rolled his window down and fired four shots into Biggie's vehicle. The fourth bullet was the one that killed Biggie. The man in the Impala was never identified. Christopher Wallace died at the age of 24 by drive-by shooting.
1: Uh, You can't tell the story of music, especially in the early 70s, without John Denver. Through his career, he scored 18 top 10 hits, nine of which went into number one. With songs like "Sunshine on My Shoulder," "Any Song," "Thank God I'm a Country Boy," "Take Me Home, Country Roads," he has so many great sing-along songs that I remember from when I was a kid. "In uh, Grandma's Featherbed, it wasn't a hit, but I remember seeing him do that on the Muppet <laughs> Show, and yeah. that, I was, that kind of I went back and saw that clip again this week, and that kind of brought a smile to my face. Nice. He died on October 12, 97 when the plane he was piloting near Pacific Grove, California,
0: crashed. He was not Rocky Mountain High. He wasn't, and the uh, (laughs) toxicology
1: reports confirmed that. (laughs) Okay, that's good.
0: (laughs) Well, toxicology reports also exonerated Jeff Buckley. Few artists have had an impact on the music world in such a short period of time with one album the way that Jeff Buckley did. His album, Grace, was well-received at the time, but he was working on his follow-up, in Memphis when he decided to jump in the river fully clothed to go for a swim. The wake of a passing boat pulled him under and his body was recovered days later. There were always rumors surrounding his death. I'd even heard that he was drunk back in the day when this happened, but toxicology reports showed no sign of drugs or alcohol in his system. His friends said that the day he died, he was swimming and singing Led Zeppelin's whole lot of love before he went underwater. There were no signs he intended to take his own life. Most people knew him for his cover of Leonard Cohen's Hallelujah. That charted posthumously at number two on the US charts in 2008 and number one in the UK that same year. And I like this quote of his, music belongs in a place with hearts beating and brains dreaming and people falling in love.
2: And let's not forget Michael Hutchins, lead singer of In Excess. On the morning of November 22nd, 1997, Michael Hutchins was found dead in his hotel room in Sydney. His death was reported by the New South Wales coroner to be the result of a suicide by hanging.
1: Who's this guy think he is anyway? <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> Please welcome to the show, all the way from sunny Philadelphia, my brother Mark,
0: our first guest. Hey, Mark. Hey, guys. How are you? That's great. Uh, appropriate for Mark to jump in. Mark, you took me to my first concert ever, which was in excess. Can you still do that thing that you did? <laughs> there it is. I'll always be grateful for that. But we can end this death stuff and transition into 1997. And even though Michael Hutchins passed away, NXS had a new album that year. So what a coincidence to have Mark here. That album was elegantly wasted and they'd fallen off my radar by then. But I definitely remember the title track.
2: Yeah, and the Soup Dragons
0: uh, opened up for them that concert. Yeah, yeah. When I first moved to Scotland, I hosted pub karaoke in Motherwell, and that's their hometown. So 1997 for me was like the year my adult life started. At the start of the year, I was unsatisfied. I was heartbroken living in Bennington with the breakup of Cinderblock Baby and Girlfriends. It was really a year of two halves, though because after June, my year really improved. I found myself really enjoying life again in ways I hadn't experienced. I had new friends and singing camp songs every single day for two and a half months. And that really does something that's soothing for the soul. I worked at a residential camp for the first time and met people from around the world that I continue to keep in contact to this day. I had my first restaurant job in September and that experience extends to my career and my job, what I'm doing now. And I also came to Scotland for the first time. In November, I lived in a flat in Edinburgh with six young women attending the university there. I also went to the New Year's Eve party that they call Hogmanay in Scotland. A lot of British music started to enter my life. So this year and going forward over the next few really shaped me. When I look back on music, it's one of those moments where it really felt like it was a soundtrack to these big life events
1: well that first part of the year sounds like it was uh, pretty emotional in you know a lot of a people there wasn't i mean not to say that there wasn't a lot i got married in 97 still working today at the same place i was back then mm. um i was you know i was getting domesticated i guess we could say. <laughs> <laughs> but really it was uh get up go to work rinse and repeat for me what was your life like mark 97
2: uh yeah i was uh living in portland maine Uh, i worked at a screen printing shop where we all kind of listened to music all the time
1: we listened to radio well like cds we even had cassettes still back then
2: yeah i mean there was times where we all had at each of our own stations you know what i mean but a lot of times we'd listen to stations like wblm wclz which is more like a alternative not alternative but like a dull alternative. you'd hear things like you know sean colvin and Bonnie Ray and all that kind of stuff that you wouldn't normally hear on mainstream, you know, pop radio or anything mm-hmm. like that. Was um, BLM so more classic rock? Yeah, that's more classic rock. They'd play, you know, they at the time, you know, Pearl Jam was big and all that, and they'd play all of them too, you know, Tesla, all that stuff. The blimp. Yeah, exactly. The CLZ <laughs> was a great station to go to to get the stuff that you weren't getting anywhere else. And, you know, you know, they would play like Ben Folds 5. They would play stuff that, Mainstream radio doesn't normally always play.
0: How else were you listening to music then just outside of the radio and, and when you weren't at work? Um, I spent a lot
2: of time at, at Old Port, in the Old Port in Portland, Maine, which is for people who don't know or do know. It's where you get a lot of shops. It's got, you know, cobblestone streets in some places, but a lot of bars, you know, a lot of dive bars. This one, microbrews and craft brews were coming into their own and stuff. And I mm-hmm. spent a lot of time at great doffs drinking. and. at uh there was a record shop called bull moose music where i would i just spend hours sitting on their couches and they would have like listening stations so you could literally go with a stack of used cds and just you know i i would always listen to them because i wasn't going to buy it if it sounded like crap or you nice. know and lots of times you'd buy you know kind of like I wouldn't necessarily call them B sides, but little lost gems that weren't necessarily hits, but really kind of struck a chord with me. And you and I spent a lot of time there because um I had just come out of a five year relationship and I was homeless for almost a year living out of my car. So I spent a lot of time in stores like that just because I really didn't have you know, hanging out in your car only gets yeah. off at where you know, the novelty of it wears off after a while. And uh mm-hmm. This is where I kind of grew into, ex- back when you guys used to talk about, you know, you where you could explore albums on vinyl and stuff. Because you you'd literally would just listen front to back the whole album instead of just hopping around like you can do now because it's so easy. Mm-hmm. But this is where I really did explore because I had the time to do it. And I just found a lot of music that I really dug, um, gave me something to look forward to, you know. I was kind of like a fish out of water in a way, but I was trying to find my way around. So,
1: yeah. Yeah, I remember 97 was pretty rough. I'm sorry you had to go through that, uh, especially, you know, when things are kind of falling into place for me. And uh, it makes me feel very thankful for the direction my life was heading. And our lives, they're kind of be, are, they're kind of mimicking music in 97. There's a lot of flux with plenty of new bands. You know, there's a lot
0: of upheaval in the music industry. So could you say that we got knocked down, but we got up again? They were never gonna keep us down. <laughs> Sorry, I can't help but reference yeah. a bad chumblewomba no. song. Yeah,
2: we, were just, we were just pissing the night away. So
1: <laughs> And you say and you say the like that was the only bad one.
0: Hey, thankfully I never heard any other Chumblewomba songs. <laughs> and apologies if you had to.
2: <laughs> I, I think like a year like that where I had to kind of pick myself up and literally just pick myself up and yeah. just kind of like I had to find a way to just kind of move on and be like, you know what? No. Well, probably um, a lot of
0: that time listening to music inspired you to really kind of find your feet again. And I, there are songs we're going to go into this year for me where I'm going to mm-hmm. talk about that. And I think it's the same for a lot of us when it comes to format and what we're listening to cassettes were gone for me. I didn't have any anymore. By this point, if I'd owned a car, I probably would have had a deck but I didn't, I was always a little behind the times. I even attempted to collect some vinyl and I built a nice little collection. But when I moved out of Bennington, I gave that all away and passed it on to a friend. I definitely had a CD tower and I took that everywhere with me. (laughs) And I was really into the Verve. I have a story about them in our 1994 episode. The Oasis album, Be Here Now, was something I'd really gotten into. And I have memories of the uh, Green Day's time of your life because of at summer camp, good riddance. And the Foo Fighters, goddamn Monkey Wrench rocked.
2: No uh, shit. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And Okay Computer was an album. I still remember the time and place the first time I heard it. It's the last Radiohead album I ever really got into or liked. So it, don't have any preconceived notions about Jim being a big Radiohead fan. But this album, that's where they started losing me. Yeah, no, that is, and that's, that's, and that's where I started losing them after them as well. But it was yeah. that Karma Police kind of gets compared to like a, a Pink Floyd of its time in that era, and I love the way that Paranoid Android is structured. It's a really cool song, and of course we can't deny I probably watched the Natalie and Bruglia Torn video a bazillion times on MTV. <laughs> I enjoyed watching it last Swing. night just to just to prepare for the show. Uh, <laughs> but she was what, a tremendous. Hold on, was that? Was that under duress, though? Oh, no, we had a sing-along in the house, trust me. Because <laughs> you know what? Because you know what? Even young women like Natalie and Brooklyn is torn because she was cool as fuck. And it shone through in that video. And I think the thing about her is that she was real. There was nothing made up about her. To this day, she's still putting out albums. And she I think she was on TV yeah. just last year here, uh, you know, going out and promoting a new album. So
2: It's interesting. When you guys gave me those things, like... When I've been listening to your shows up into this point, you kind of look, go back and look, and like you said, you go down a rabbit hole a little bit, and you find things like that where an artist who you think was like probably a one-hit wonder still has has probably like to this day has like eight or nine albums under their belt.
0: Yeah. You know? Yeah.
1: Oh, you. Yeah, we find that all the time.
2: Yeah. So there's a, so there's an it may not be for me or for you or whatever, but somebody gets it. somebody it, they do it for somebody. So.
0: And it's cool that they pick up a fan base like that. Cause Matt at the start mentioned 98 degrees and I'm pretty sure one of those guys oh, is now a manager at tire warehouse. So, <laughs> so that, that can also happen to you, but, yes. but let's talk about Mark, your music. Let's get to this. What you know, you talk about what you were putting on and you've already mentioned some of these artists, but you know, let's hear your list of some of these guys you were listening to and what you like. Everything else
2: took a backseat to Ben Folds
0: five. Yeah. Um, even though you know, and I love Sarah
2: McLaughlin and, and I there was a lot of other bands that I did listen to, but when I found Ben Folds Five, I was on my third tape by the end of that year. Um, because I played the tape so much. Wow. Um, <laughs> and I did and for whatever reason, I never got sick of it. Just I don't know if it was it was where I was at that year. And every lyric and song, and just the ad like that punk attitude on a lot of his songs really just hit me the right way and really I could relate to a lot of the lyrics in the song. Mm mm Um I really got into the Faith No More album, album of the year. And uh yeah, I listened to a lot of it was a lot of different stuff, you know, because when I was in Portland, I just I think that was like the peak of my concert going because there were so many venues for things where there'd be there was like Raul's Roadside Attraction, which was like a dive bar off of forest avenue and you know you go you know there's a civic center where you go to concerts and literally my apartment was literally right behind the civic center so i could go down the street to the park sit in the park and concerts are loud enough where you could hear the music outside the building Nice. So you could seriously, even if you didn't go to a concert, I remember sitting there and listening to Matt and listening to Garth Brooks two nights in a row because he was playing two nights. <laughs> and I just sat down there with like a six pack of beer, um, and I think my girlfriend were you singing "Friends
1: eight. in Low Places"? Uh, I don't think I
2: was singing, but I was definitely enjoying it. You know what I mean? And it was it was it was it was unique, and it was muffled a little bit, but you could make it make it out whatever it was. You know, for the most part.
1: I remember walking by the Civic Center, Cumberland Civic Center we're talking about, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Um, I remember going by there when there were concerts and we weren't in the building. Yeah, you could, the drums, you could, just, yeah. you could hear them clear as day.
2: Yeah. and I mean, because I was living in my car, I listened to the radio a lot. I mean, I listened, I mean, I listened to tapes. I didn't have a CD player in my car, but I had a tape deck.
1: Did you pick up any bands from friends?
2: Um, Yeah, I had a good friend who I worked with at Screenprint. He would just bring in stuff. Um, He would listen to anything and everything. And I think this is kind of my exploration. I've always liked the stuff that's a bit off. That's a little that stands out a little like the novelty stuff, Mm -hmm. just because Mm -hmm. it's a novelty and it does stand out. But there's something to that, I think. He would listen to anything and everything, but he'd go on deep dives on bands like Velvet Underground. He came in with Adam Ant's new album that year, I think. And I was like, at first, I was like, oh, my God, I don't want to listen to fucking Adam Ant <laughs> unless he's getting two shoes or something like that. But, but, then, but then I started, started to like it. But he was the kind that he would play it to death and to the point where, like, after like the 50th time, I'd be like, he'd get me to a point where I'd like, like the stuff. And then I'd get to the point where I hated the stuff because it was just constantly. He would play it constantly. Yeah. <laughs> and I was always, you know, like I said, I was always going to places like the State Theater was a great place. I saw Sarah McLaughlin there like three times, and I think there was one place, a bar, like I mentioned before, Ra- roadside Rose- Jack, and I saw I saw um, Paula Cole there. Well, she had a malfunction because the power went out, so she sat there. And we all had our flashlight. This was before cell phones. And she just sat there and we all sat there and took, she took questions for like almost 45 minutes from everybody. And it was, it it was so great. It was, it was awesome. Um, And I also saw her in the state theater when she opened up for Sarah McLaughlin, but, but I initially saw her in a small venue like that, which maybe had like a hundred people in it, you know, but it was great. So it was, it was a really cool place to see stuff. And there, there, um, I will there is a band called From Good Homes and they're they, I don't think they got to any oh, yeah, national I remember prominence but that was a band I w- that is one of those bands where I I like their CDs but it's a band you want to go see in in live in concert because not to say that they're like a jam band but they will go they'll go into songs sometimes where they just go off and you know the the drummer will have like a 15 minute solo and with the with the bass player and you know just just kind of going off in a direction a little bit and then bringing it back to the end of the song and stuff and it was really a cool it it was a hard time but at the same time i i wouldn't give it up for the world because i i kind of it was an exploration year i guess of sorts so
0: yeah, those are the years that that really, we call them formulative years, even if not music, they build character in us and make us who we are. And you you either, you know, flight or fail. And they're, yeah, yeah you know. Matt, so are you over your ranting from last week and ready to talk about music again without us? Uh, yeah,
1: well, I'm still emotionally scarred. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, I'm ready to move on. Uh, and while I have a lot of music, in the mid 90s that i liked 97 on its own there was some stuff that i liked but it wasn't a overall huge year for me we danced around some of these years of groups that i i did love and you know for having this conversation in 96 or 98 from my perspective we you know the conversation would be going in a different direction based on the groups there i'm not complaining i like the way the years bounce around and i'm realizing how i have albums that i hold on to over multiple years before moving on and i'm Finding what hasn't held up. And it's gotten me to think, you know, was it really any good to begin with? And sometimes you just hear things so much, they grow on you. I think the time away from any music kind of helps frame it either for my personal history or if it was just a sign of the times. And in visiting 97, I'm finding that a lot of the music was a sign of the times because there was so much of it. It was, it was my attention was kind of like all over the place Mm -hmm. there was obviously a few standouts but one of the bands that had a huge album well well, i don't know if it's huge but i think it was highly anticipated because you two always whenever they would come out with an album was highly anticipated but they came out with this horrible album called pop (laughs) that
2: they should have called it poop
1: (laughs) yeah they really should have you know they should have are you 12 (laughs)
0: yes i am (laughs) You're, you're you're not wrong but i went back and listened to the album this week and it's garbage and i tried to find something redeeming i thought oh this is you too i'm gonna find something on here that i'm still hearing on the radio today nope nothing was yeah. there that was worth going back to so did
1: you think i was going to be dismissive of it just being my usual self no 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 i had no <laughs> such presumptions of that yeah i tried to get i just couldn't get past that first song and you know they're not afraid of updating their sound they just missed the mark for me but i also wonder if maybe and i don't know if they had ever come out and said this were they maybe trying to make a statement a pop and going in that direction like you said with the overdone you know, uh, production of the tour and everything. They're just trying I, to make money. Know. That's all yeah, they were doing. Probably, yeah. probably trying to get a new audience. Hey, we're not always singing about, you know, heartbreaking things. Yeah. Yeah,
2: you too could make money just by showing up with acoustic. <laughs>
1: they,
0: and... they don't make any money when they give everybody their album for free. <laughs> well, correct, they don't. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I won't lie, I downloaded it.
0: <laughs> you, you didn't have to, you got it for free. <laughs> Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. You just had to delete
1: it if you didn't want yeah. to download yeah. it because then it became your decision.
0: We bring this up a couple of times in previous shows about you two giving away this album for free. And it was an automatic download that showed up on people's phones and they wound up being hated for it. And yet on the flip side of that, Rihanna gave everybody a code instead of making people download it for free. And they they had the choice to go and get it and wound up breaking the record in the week for most album sales, because everybody used these codes, which- I remember you guys talking about that. Yeah, which is ridiculous. And like I said in that previous episode, I'd like to find out how many people deleted it, because I'd also like to find out if you two actually got album counts of sales for everything that went out on those Apple phones. It'd be interesting to find out if you think about that.
1: That would be interesting how that would stack up in the stats.
2: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. this should this should really be asterisks behind that like so you get a little context of behind that record or whatever it is that they achieved um because it would put it in a different light you know what i mean as opposed to oh she earned that and it's like no not really she just kind of yeah. gave yeah. it out free and people decide to download it and, yep
0: yeah. yep 1997 for me that was a, a musical awakening You're not going to like this next part, Matt, that I'm going to talk about. (laughs) Even Even though I was listening to a lot of alternative rock, like I said, Foo Fighters, Mighty Mighty Boss Tones were great, and Radiohead I mentioned, it's crazy how much my perspective on pop changed. And for the better, for me, yes, but subjective to opinions. If you bumped into me in 1993 through the start of 97 and tried to have a conversation with me about music. I was possibly a condescending know-it-all asshole. I I actually walked around with this attitude of, I know everything about music and I regret that. So if you bumped into me during those years, I apologize for- I'm probably
1: still in that phase.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But then I went to the summer camp and I've, I've talked about it with you before, Matt. I was asked to DJ for the Wednesday night camp dances. And I thought I was gonna give these kids an education in music. But it went completely the other way i thought i'd play some rolling stones you know get them dancing me and julio down by the schoolyard and some more classic stuff but when i put it on the kids just stood there and none of them were dancing it was rough i was really deflated by this then a few 10 year old girls ran back to their cabins got their cds backstreet boys spice girls all that poppy stuff i was dreading having to play it but once i put it on everybody got up and danced. And I had this epiphany. All the music that I was wasting my energy hating just wasn't made for me. It was meant for the kids and for the people that were having a good time.
1: Yeah, and I wish I could keep that in mind. I think it's a little selfish of me to hate on it so much. We all seem to become that back-in-my-day person, you know, about something.
0: Well, probably like you guys, having kids in your life, and I, I never did, but you raised them and you saw them listen through different phases of music as they were growing it, it grinds you down a little bit and you actually start enjoying stuff that at some point yeah. in your life you would have hated who would have thought matt would come on these shows and be like and i'm gonna pick kanye and i'm gonna pick yeah. kanye 19- 19 i'm gonna pick kid cuddy yeah. <laughs> yeah 1987 matt that i walked home from school with that listened to girls 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 would be punching <laughs> 2022 20, matt for talking about that but only virtually. I would yeah. never do that. <laughs> but by the time I had all this music on and everybody was having a good time, I was getting jiggy with the Spice Girls noom bopping with the Backstreet Boys every Wednesday night. <laughs> I it was nice to let go. There was like a freedom, a release from being so uptight about music. Yeah, there is. Yeah, I'm still uptight about pop music.
1: <laughs> it's made for a certain age range of mind, and I'm sure there aren't any meetings trying to figure out about how to market. Pop to 50 year olds. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's fear, my fear of no longer being valued or maybe being forgotten, left behind, or it's just no longer having my taste being pandered to. I'm well aware, you know, there's, you know, it's not always just black and white. They figure, and rightly so, it's not worth their time, money, and energy to try and grab that market because when you reach a certain age, you already have your biases. I, I'm well aware of mine. By now, a lot of people are too. Uh, for people who have listened to the last three versions, they are pretty aware of it. There's classic rock radio for a reason.
2: A perfect example is this when I came up to Vermont this summer. You know, I came up with Ella. Um, she always wanted to play her playlist, which had ten songs on it, and for a <laughs> for a, a seven hour trip of ten Ouch. songs repeated. <laughs> and 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 granted, some of the songs I really like. Some of them, as they were shoved down my throat, you know, it was like after a while, I was like, oh, all right, you know. And Yeah, but how many
1: times would we play that Dimensions album over and over on the car trip down to Connecticut? Oh, my God.
2: Or, or like, turn me, or Lover Boys turn me loose going down to yeah, Norwalk, exactly. Connecticut. Over and
1: over and over. But at least we had to rewind it so that they would get yeah. at least a minute of
0: plays. Hey, hey, I just want to say, in my defense, I wasn't running out and buying it. My personal taste in oh, music yeah, no, change. No, no. I wasn't doing that either.
2: But like during the trip, I told Ella, because on one, one of her songs on that mix was Mr. Blue Sky by ELO. Yeah. And she she cool. really liked it. And I was like, oh, I was like, because it was totally, this was the the outlier from her whole pay, playlist. You know what I mean? I was like, yo, so I played Don't Let Me Down. So I made a playlist once we got up to Vermont. I said I put every other song was her song, my song, her song, my song. So she could get exposed to it as well.
0: But you know, the funny thing is, guys, we've learned to kind of laugh at that now as we've gotten older and we look at it. And instead of standing back and calling it all stupid, like we would have earlier, we got a little more accepting of it.
1: Or even 22 years later. Yeah, touche. (laughs) Yeah, right? (laughs) And for me, there's only been a couple of years where the kids and our music hasn't really overlapped a little bit. Max will put on Thriller. You know, we'll be playing
2: a game and oh, here we go.
1: Here comes Billie Jean. And Owen's always surprising me. I'm hearing
2: Pink Floyd around the house now. <laughs> yeah. And even though you don't listen to that normally, you're just like, oh, I'll take that. Yeah.
0: It's funny when we try to wrap our heads around music that we're not supposed to like, I think. I can't blame either of you for feeling your way about the music that you got from your kids. I think a lot of pop music was fun in 1997, but there was, there was still a lot that I didn't like. Fortunately, At this point, as we bring up the 2009 episode we haven't had almost 25 years of the same pop artists remaking the same Mm -hmm. songs over and over again. i'm not saying I added these artists to my collection of favorite music, but it was just fun to dance and laugh with a bunch of little kids having fun themselves, I was able to drop that pretentiousness and trust me. Anyone who listened to our previous episodes will know that a lot of pop eventually became garbage to us again.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And I envy you for being able to, you know, put that, put some of your feelings aside and enjoy it. And we we've hit on this before you can get swept up in things based on your surroundings. There's Mm -hmm. nothing wrong with that. Um, And it's, it's a little bit kind of starting to bug me that we keep using this phrase. It's not supposed to be for us. It's not made for us. Like it's an unwritten rule. And really, it's more that I grew away from it, um, probably based on what it, you know, it grew up to be. I'm not going to go from listening to metal for most of my teen years and that leading into grunge and alternative in my 20s. And I'm, I'm not going to go back to pop. Um, really, though, it's it's just a certain brand of pop
2: that kind of rubs me the wrong way. Mm-hmm. Well, I think like you were saying earlier in one of your other shows is that it's so manufactured not that it's a, not that it's not always been manufactured, but I think it's more about, there's no substance to it in a way sometimes. And it's but become think, a science. Mm-hmm. Yes, to it. It's more like an image. They're more worried about their image than about whether the quality of the music is Yeah, there's, there's more it, that's
0: selling than just the song. Yeah, because
2: now. if Ariana Grande comes out with a song, it doesn't matter if it's good or not. Oh, it's Ariana Grande. I'm going to buy it. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. like... <laughs> and, don't, and don't think that's
1: getting edited out. That's no. going <laughs> on. <anyway>. <laughs> 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 and, and Jim, you asked me the other day, why can metal have a family tree, but pop can't? And I thought about it. I'm like, you are so fucking right in asking that question. It certainly can, and it, it does. We're hearing in
2: our chat. I know, <laughs> <laughs> and,
1: it, and it might even have more branches than the metal tree. It has those hybrid genre names. You pop rock, pop punk, country pop. It's you know, it's more offshoots from other genres. I talked last episode about indie having pop bands because part of pop is its reach. What's popular or more widely available. And this is going to be a good. Evolving conversation as we keep having it. I don't think it's anything we can come to a conclusion about in one conversation or the last five that we've had, I think Mm -hmm. now, but I think after version 2009, people know what kind of pop I'm referring to that's to not liking, but I think pop is always, or should always be evolving based on what is or was popular things that chart should influence culture and leave a mark on music yeah 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 you
0: almost have your asshole hat on but th- not quite <laughs> you know to, to lecture to, to, i was expecting a lecture on mine
1: <laughs> no actually i was kind of aiming that at myself because i i can be that dour pretentious oh get off my lawn kind of guy when it comes to music
0: we, um, we agree of,
1: yeah but i i know i've gotten too dismissive of pop and i but i and this is a great conversation that i can learn from not just about the music but about myself
0: yeah, but I think we agree more than we disagree, and maybe I don't come through in how I'm saying it the right way when I'm talking about just having fun with what's going on. Yeah, it's more fun when you disagree. I get it. You no, know, yeah. <laughs> and I think there's some value in learning more about pop and understanding the broad spectrum of music. Yeah. Hey yeah. Did you just borrow Matt's asshole hat? <laughs> no, <laughs> no, This is this is the pulpit. This is the pulpit. Some sometimes you are the asshole. Oh, wait a
2: minute. So when I do it, I'm an asshole. When you do it, you're a preacher. I'm real jealous. Guys, I, I I'm so I'm impressed that you have budget
0: enough for a soapbox. <laughs> Look, what I'm saying is that We've obsessed a lot over pop music. And on the 1999 show, we went on so much about the Disney kids and festivals that I was annoyed with myself for leaving the Chili Peppers Californication out. It was one of my favorite albums that
1: year. Yeah. Yeah, we got so so involved in like just ranting and raving about yeah. shit that we didn't like.
2: Yeah, but don't you find that with these shows that you get you you get on topics and you talk about what you talk about, and then afterwards you're like, "Shit, I forgot about this. I forgot about that." Oh, exactly, oh, big time. That's big what the cleanups
0: for. So let's get away from pop. Besides
1: yeah, pop, let's tie that rhythm on. Yes, there. what else was get going on? I noticed in going back that ninety seven was a big year for ska. It, I'm talking U.S. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, it, there was quite a trend in the 90s. Hey, keep singing The yeah. Bostons we talked about <laughs> real Jennifer big fish, Save Ferris.
0: Uh, their cover of Come on Eileen is so good.
1: Yeah. yeah, so it good. was. but I wonder if you know you take an outlier kind of genre like Scott. and I wonder if by doing a cover, well, wow, it's cool because I, come on Eileen's a good song and you in fact you put this infectious energy to it. Um, but I wonder if it can lend people to think of them as more of a novelty band and reflect on the genre, because I I don't think anybody does ska lightly, right? You, you're doing it
0: because you love the kind of music. Well, we gave Mark some homework. Mark, it's your time to tell us about ska. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so in preparing for the show, tell us what you have yeah. found. I still like ska to this day,
2: Really, it dates back to the 1950s, originating in Jamaica. It was combined a bunch of different genres, like Caribbean, Calypso, with American jazz and rhythm and blues. Plus, you had that punk rock energy. Some of the first bands were Toots My the Scatolites, Byron Lee and the Dragonairs, and there were the second wave in the U.K. In the 70s and early 80s, bands like English Beat, The Specials, and Bad Manners brought it back. Yeah, if you remember that. And I'm um,
1: really surprised at Bad Manners in the 90s. They had an album out in 97, but I'm really kind of surprised I wasn't hearing them on the radio.
2: No, but it was a good album. It was... Yeah, it was. I, I, I think they're better live that, as opposed to, you know, what they put yeah. out. You know, back when, after that, there was kind of like a, kind of like, I don't know, a second wave or a third wave. I don't know if you'd call it the U.S. Carried the Momentum. And if you can call it that, bands like Toasters and Bim Scalabim, The third wave was in the 90s, which was what we're talking about now is like the Mighty Mighty Boss Tones and Fishbone, Sublime even, and Less Than Jake,
0: among others. But (laughs) keep in mind, this American ska phase that originated out of the UK, you left out Madness. And I've just got to bring them up because they still, they pack arenas here in the UK. So ska peaked in the States. It was a phase, but it's kept a niche here. Yeah,
1: but that's kind of, everything in the US is a phase, right? It's always, okay, what's next? you know, like ska had this kind of this bubble that kind of popped and it goes back to the background, right? Not saying it's dead and gone, you know, you're just not hearing it. Um, So I'll lead us out of that. But I remember probably the biggest kind of what you were saying with BLM and the other radio station, alternative radio for me was really like a big part of my life. That's where I was hearing all these Mm -hmm. things. And the radio station we had here, there was just, I couldn't, And going back and looking at the list of albums, I couldn't believe that all of these bands I was hearing on the radio in that year, I'm like, they couldn't have been repeating these songs all that frequently because there were so many of them. Some of it now, it's being dominated by those alt rock bands that have become the next generation's classic rock. But there's no doubt some bands here, um, they could fall under pop. But I think too, that some bands don't want that label or any label or an image that they just don't want to associate with. Um, They're not going to want to be called country either. But how can you listen to a band like Gin Blossoms and not think it's pop rock?
0: Hey, third eye blind, semi-charmed life as well. It's not miles away from oom (laughs) Good point. It's not. It's
1: not at all. So also, um, just to kind of give you an idea of the variety, it was like Crystal Method, Oasis, Portishead, The Verb, Food Fighters, Corner Shop, Smash Mouth, Ramstein, Prodigy, Burk, Brand Van 3000, and uh, Chumbawamba. You know, it's, all, it's on and on. It's just amazing <laughs> that this was like really a true kind of like variety on one station. Even though there was so much of it driving, diving back into it this week, there wasn't a lot that really moved me. And I don't think it really moved me then. It was just kind of like good music. I, I mean, it may not have hit like an emotional high for me, but I enjoyed it. I really liked it.
0: All right. Let's let's get away from talking about pop and the radio and everything that was going on. And let's get to our five, because that's what we need to do. We need to have our five. I've got five. Matt has five. Mark has five. So this might be an extended show. Ten. We apologize to the listeners already. <laughs> Eleven, something along those lines. You act surprised since I'm yes, brother. So <laughs> <laughs> anyway i i chose 1997. I'll <laughs> say that with air quotes yeah. people aren't seeing that uh I, you know we we knew mark wanted to come on for 97 so we were happy to have him here but since we spoke in the previous episode about 97 being my choice what that means is i go first okay my first song brad the day brings it is this is my every day is a new beginning song it's an empowerment song. I said earlier, we're gonna to get to empowerment songs that I, I lean into even today. If I get up in the morning sometimes and I'm walking into work and I feel like this sucks, I put on Brad the Day Brings and it gives me the extra step. It, it lifts my spirits, it changes my mood and songs like these are really important in your life. Brad's known as Stone Gossard's mm. side project, but it's really Sean Smith's band in my opinion. His voice was so beautiful. I love the lyrics that he writes. Stone's a a good compliment to the band. But in my opinion, that guy's lucky to have played with two such dynamic lead singers. (laughs) And RIP to Sean Smith, 2019.
2: Yes. But it is, like you said, it's one of those songs where it's just like, you know, it's just like, it's what is the day going to bring today? You know what I mean? What makes
0: me laugh? What makes me
2: sing? You know, it's like.
0: Yep. So that's it. Choice number one. So choice number 1 for you, Matt, what's it going to be?
1: Choice number 1 for me is going to be Supergrass, Sun Hits the Sky.
0: Nice. I'm a little disappointed in myself that I've
1: forgotten about Supergrass. It's a, it's a great band. And this was one of those few albums I really enjoyed revisiting this week. It's got great hooks. I really love that synth solo. And if you watch the video, there's this kind of this guy driving down the road in this small, I don't know, I don't even know if you'd call it a car, but he gets out just in time to go and run over and do the synth solo. It's it's kind of it's kind of funny, but it kind of that sound takes me back to the seventies. You know, it's it's active bass and drums. It's a great rock song. It's got great sound. Um, even as the song is ending, it's got me hooked. It's got the bongos. Everything kind of quiets down, and you hear all different kind
2: of noises coming in. So supergrass, sun hits the sky. Uh, Mark, Mark, what is what is your first song? Uh, my first is Harvey Danger, Flagpole Sitta. Even though it is a from. All intents and purposes, a one-hit wonder. I sing every word, any every time it comes on the radio. I sing every word, top of my lungs, because whatever it is, it's just like it's, it's just everything boiled down into a great song. And the energy of the song is just, to me, is undeniable. And
0: it's a great one-hit wonder. Oh, it is.
2: Yeah, and it's just about you know being fed up and just being like, I don't know. It's just not giving a shit. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. To me, it's so there's not much to this song for me other than that, so.
0: Yeah, cool. So number two for me? Yes. Yep, I am gonna go with uh, Our Lady Peace and the song is Clumsy. Oh, and I'm good. talking about, yeah, I'm talking about empowering songs. Watch the music video again for this last night and I'm not sorry to bring this to the list. It's one of those songs that I would curl up in a corner and listen to when I was at a low point in life. Uh, again, it's a lyrical thing that drew me into the song. I don't really know what happened to Our Lady Peace. So here I tell you that Supergrass is on the TV <laughs> over here and I see them, but I don't know what happened to Our Lady Peace. But uh, they put out an song... album in
1: 2019 or okay, I've, 2022.
0: I'm going to go take a look for it. This, this song is really the only of theirs I ever really embraced, but it's one of those songs that when I felt like the wall was closing around me, mm-hmm. lyrics like... You know throw away the radio suitcase keeps you awake i was traveling i was moving things were going on in my life and you ever have those moments where you're down you're sad and something's happened you even heartbreak and every single song that comes on the radio is just digging deeper and deeper and oh, deeper yeah. into it and you just you have to throw you know throw away the radio because it, it just doesn't help you hide the telephone and you realize you're just not okay and I think sometimes accepting that you can have moments in your life where you're not okay yeah. is important. And this is the song that kind of opened that up for me. Cool. As clumsy as, clumsy as you've been, there's no one laughing. So you're stumbling over yourself, you're making mistakes, but it, it's not funny. No. <laughs> it's not something that people are laughing at. <laughs> yeah, we've all been there. And I still remember, you know, here 25 years later, what it felt like to listen to those words. So cool. that song is on the list for me number two to my number two
1: is live with lakini's juice great song yeah i love that chunky abrasive guitar in the beginning then they double down with that overdriven bass so it really kind of uh, kind of creates this kind of stressful atmosphere and it cycles between that aggressiveness and quiet and the orchestration kind of ties both worlds together um, I wasn't sure the song was going to make the cut because live is a little fatigued for me. I listened to Throwing Copper and Secret Samadhi a lot. I killed it for myself because I loved him so much back in the day. But after a couple listens, I was back on board because of that atmosphere they created.
0: And Ed really sells it when he sings. Yeah, he does. Yeah, he does. I met Ed Kowalczyk in 2011 and I had a conversation with him. I may have had something to do with introducing him <laughs> to his wife. I was there that night. He met her at the throwing copper CD release party, but that's a story for a 1994 episode. When we talk about that.
2: Oh, come on. So. You can't tease it like that.
0: I'll tease it. Like, th- I'll tell you. All right, Mark,
2: that was my number two. What's yours? Uh, my number two is mighty, mighty Boston's Royal oil. I had two songs originally on my top five that, you guys from groups that you guys had both had on here one was no
1: your original five was like a 10 list in the top five or ben folds five
2: correct <laughs> correct but we won't go into that we'll go into that in my probably my number one my number five song but like i had a super grass song originally on my on my uh top five called late in the day and it's from the same album that that uh matt had his song from I chose to take it off. It's a great song, but it became even greater um, a couple of years later than what we're dealing with now.
1: Honorable and mention then, alert.
2: Correct. Yes. Um, and then, originally, I did. I had Mighty Mighty Boss tones, the Rascal King, on here because Jim originally had Mighty Mighty Boss tones Royal Oil on his top five. Um, it's two honorable mentions. Let's go. Yes. Let's go. Cool. Yeah. Let's go for the trifecta. Come on. Come on. Come That's on. That's right. That's right. I learned from the best. Now. <laughs> but to me this like even though a lot of their songs have that ska beat and stuff this one to me has that ska reggae beat to me which i really like um and to me basically it's not real deep for me for this song it just boils down to that this is a drinking song to me you can just sing to it and just get lost in the groove of it and then just like once it's done you can like okay i'm back we can do this
0: so <laughs> that's awesome that's a great it. song yeah, yeah. And, you know all right, so number is, three, is Jim, for me. Number three, uh, a Scottish band. I'm surprised uh, that, that it's uh, not been brought up because Matt seems to have this obsession with Scottish <laughs> bands. But it's a band called Texas, so a Scottish band called Texas. <laughs> uh, and the song is called Say What You Want. I talked earlier about how I had attended the Edinburgh Hogmanay New Year's Eve party here. And after the countdown to midnight in 1998 arrived, There was a huge fireworks display that would put Disney or anything you've ever seen to shame. It goes off over an ancient castle while you're standing 200 feet below on the street watching it happen. I'd never seen anything like it in my life. But down in the gardens, which sits just down below Princes Street where we watched fireworks going off, once it ended, Texas started playing this song. And this was their big hit in the moment so I talked again once earlier about how some songs in this year were like soundtracks to my life. And that was what this song was for me.
1: Yeah. cool. And I had never heard of this before. I had to go listen. And I looked up on the, on the pages and I'm like, wow, they did. This wasn't even released in the States. That surprises me too. Because it wouldn't fit right in. <sighs> All right, Matt, what's your number three? My number three will be morphine early to bed nice and this again you know it's not a big emotional attachment to the song but i kind of found myself listening to the song quite a bit this week i it's that breath of fresh air you're not going to hear much like this especially on the playlist um it's very sparse and i really like the uh, saxophones in it
0: yeah morphine had a horn section that was really cool And I talk a lot about how I miss horns and saxophones and, Mm -hmm. you know, stuff being in songs and morphine really did a good job making unique use of horns in alternative music. Oh yeah. And they sounded excellent. They sounded real. This
1: just sounded real, which is, you know, as I always say, that's just what, that's what would bug me, you know, in some of the years, you know, it just stopped sounding real. So, so that was mine. Uh, Mark, what do you got?
2: Uh, I have, faith no more last cup of sorrow um like i said before this was a really good album for me it's probably one of my favorite faith no more albums i was never a bit a huge faith no more fan i got into mr bungle a little bit which i really liked and i think matt has brought up in the past but this song for me is kind of like uh this song does for me what the day brings does for jim Nice. It, it is a positive song, but it reminds me not so much to get caught up in my darkness, which I tend to do um, where I tend to retreat and stay wrapped up in like a nice warm blanket, but it's also like, Hey, be confident. You might surprise yourself. You know, I don't play it every day, but I do play it. Like I probably listen to it at least once a month where I'm just like, kind of, I don't know if it resets me, but it just, it's maintenance. Yeah. It's maintenance. And it's just like, you know what, Mark, I know you love the darkness, but you know, you got to come out and light sometime and function a little bit,
0: yep. <laughs> you know, yep. My number four song is a song that's very well known now. Probably people are going to go, oh, it's been overplayed. It's been around for a long time. But 1997, when it came out, it hadn't been. And that song is Everlong by the Foo Fighters. For a long time, I considered this to be one of my favorite songs of all time. Dave Grohl wrote this about the clash of his divorce and from his first marriage. And it kind of hits right in the feels for me. If, if everything could ever feel this real forever, i got to promise not to stop when I say when. Mm. It, it's got great lyrics, music structure, and the drumming in it is just incredible. And the best, I think, of almost any pop rock song you've ever heard on the radio. The music video is fantastic. A lot of Foo Fighters videos are about a surreal dream that's attached to it. Another cool tidbit about the song is that the Foo Fighters actually canceled their South American tour to be the last live performance on the Dave Letterman show. This was his favorite song of all time as well. And on that night, they played a six minute version of it. And I'm just going to say honorable mention, it could have been monkey wrench as well. Oh, you, and you wouldn't have been wrong. Cause that's a great song. Yeah. But, yeah. but uh Everlong,
1: that's a, I love that guitar riff.
0: Yeah, it's a great riff. If you ever yeah. want to learn how to play it, go look it up, Matt. I know you play a little guitar. Like, go look up YouTube and learn how to play the intro to that. And it's so unique and fun to play. It's cool. Uh, I I couldn't imagine my life without the Color and the Shape album and okay, great this album. song. Yeah, yeah, it's a good album. So that's, that's my number four. Album. Yep, yep. So what's your number four, Matt? Let's move on. And get to that
1: yeah so my number four i can't give you shit about everlong because you guys can just give me shit about smash mouth and walking on the sun
0: <laughs> right
1: if you want to talk and talk about an overplayed song that was in 97 and it again it's not a song i'm overly i'm not emotionally attached to at all but this was definitely one of the jams back in my day you know i listened to this song a lot this i liked this album just because it's it's a little bit nonsensical it's kind of upbeat and a happy album, but Walking on the Sun was a huge hit and it kind of, it
0: brought in some new sounds to alt-rock. I really wanted to give you shit in the notes about this <laughs> song when you brought it in, because for you, this is really kind of a
1: pop rock song. It is, it, but I brought pop rock songs in before, but they're yeah. under that
0: indie umbrella before, but when you stretch it back, it's pop rock. It is, but it it, it was fun and I liked it and it, it was. It's a good tune. Yeah. It was. All right, Mark. A lot of these songs
2: were like off of albums that I really like, and I, I'm, sh- I'm sure that you guys were the same way, that these were albums that I loved because I would play from back to front. Um, Sarah McLaughlin, Full of Grace.
0: It's such a good song. I listened yeah. to it today. Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah. Um, it really reflected the way I was, where my headspace was at at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I love songs that reflect darkness in a beautiful way that, I guess you could say that would express it in a way that I couldn't express it. You know what I mean? But then when you listen to it, it's like, yeah, that's what I'm feeling right now. Yeah. That's why you connect with it. Yeah. And this song is where my head was a lot of the time um, that struggle of letting go and embracing the darkness or fighting
0: it um, coming out of it. Um, I didn't feel like the song had was a, a darkness as much as there was an empathy in it. And there was a, 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 feeling of light and a ray of hope. It wasn't, it wasn't, yeah, cho- it wasn't about being down and not having any moment of escape out of how you were feeling.
2: There's a choice there, but it brings me back to a time where I could have easily not been on this planet anymore,
0: mm-hmm. but I made the choice. But that's music, man. That's what it other, does
2: in the other direction. So yeah. I don't know, I hate bringing that shit up, but- No. It's where I was at. And the fact that I made the choice to go in the other direction was huge to me and moves me forward, you know, a little bit, so. Yeah.
0: Uh, You know, the thing about you, Mark, and anybody who knows you and listens to this show, one of the cool things about hanging out with who you when you were younger was you meet brothers who hang out with each other like best friends, and that's what I experienced being over there at your place and it was a wonderful thing. But you've got a bazillion best friends, you do. And that's probably as empowering as music is for you. And these moments in life, I I think when I looked into 97 and I talk about the darkness and the year and how things were going for me, I started looking at some of these songs and I, I started feeling some of that stuff as well. And those first kind of six months of the year up until I went to that camp were just really, really horrible for me and i know that it wasn't as intense as really what you went through in that time but i don't know a lot of people don't know this i've had 30 roofs over my head in my life that i've called home and i've you know not had the experience of living out of a car but i don't really know what it's like to grow up in a house and go back to the house and see that place that i grew up in and you guys are very lucky in my opinion to have that and your your closeness of brothers. And, and the friends that you've had is amazing. And you use music as your lifeline to come away from a bad time. All right, let's move on. Who was next? That was Mark. So we're on to you. All right, no, that's fine. No, that's fine. Uh, you know, this, ne- this next song I'm gonna bring up is a song by The Verve, Lucky Man. That's my number four song. Yeah, I've got one more after this. I, and I changed this from The Drugs Don't Work because that was a moment in my life that I had to think about. And there was a song called Sonnet off the album that I really liked. Uh, I wasn't really a fan of Bittersweet Symphony, but if you had the CD, you could always skip the first track yeah. and then let the rest of it just play on. And you know, in these moments where we talk about it, if, if you're feeling low, low in life and you need music to come along and validate you, that's what Lucky Man did for me. I learned how to play most of this album on guitar, and it, I was playing this song with Mitch right up until I left Vermont <laughs> doing our, our our gigging thing. And after all the failure and sadness I felt when I was leaving Bennington, the lyrics of this song really kind of made me feel better about myself. You know, I'm standing naked and I smile and I feel no disgrace of who I am. And I felt like I was a lucky man for the second half of 1997. Yeah, Awesome. Did I fit enough of the songs off that album into the honorable mentions? Oh oh, yeah. yeah. Honorable mentions (laughs) abound this week. I'm lacking. I'm lacking. Lacking. Let's see what you got.
1: Yeah. Lacking. Yeah. Well, uh, we'll see. So my fifth one, we are going to go with Ween and ocean man off the mollusk album. That's so uh, cool. I, I really do love this song. Ween described writing the song as magic. Everything just fell into place, and like magic, I have no fucking idea what it's about. <laughs> I just love. Does these- anybody
0: know what any of the Ween songs are about? I know, and that's what's so
1: great about them. I just love this upbeat, nonsensical bounciness to it, and they do this in a few songs where they uh, they slow down the vocals, so it's kind of like a neat counterpoint to this bouncy, poppy music but then you got this vocal that's kind of dragging in the background of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a just a good uh, vocal melody that I like
0: singing. What I think with Ween and their music is that they're great at writing very conventional pop songs with really cool changes, but then they know that they're self-aware. So they record it very differently. Yes, And they, they make it sound very unique so that when you hear it, you immediately know well that's ween exactly you know have you ever seen ween live no you no. have to
1: Th- yeah make that would a be mis-
0: make it a mission in your life to see ween live because I didn't really ever understand ween until I went and saw them in concert I kind of like their music and there's you know chocolate and cheese we might get into in that year and and some other stuff but when I saw Ween in concert and saw them performing these songs where mm-hmm. the vocals weren't turned out or slowed down and dragged. You oh know, yeah. Like no, that, they give a straightforward performance. straightforward performance. It, I realized, holy shit, these songs are all really, really fucking good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They yeah, just, yeah. they just wean it up. Yeah, they do. They wean <laughs> it up.
2: <laughs> but it's like, you know, like you said, it's like, it's like a lot of times a band doesn't jive for you, but then once you see them in live, it's like, Oh, um, I get it. Holy shit. There's, there's a shift there that it's like, yep, I get it now. And then when you go back and listen to the tape or the CD or whatever, you're like, I get it now. it's like, it clicks for you. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. All right, Mark. Your number five. Uh, my number five. Ben Folds 5, Whatever and Ever and Amen. The whole album.
1: No, that's not how this works. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's not how this works at all. You don't understand the assignment. There was a lot of songs I could have picked off. I could have picked every single song off this album. You did it first. I picked Battle of Who Could Care Less. As I, I don't know if I've stayed a lot before, but I found Ben Folds 5 at a pivotal point in my life. And it was the first time music lyrics spoke to me In my experiences, and got in my bones. Seriously, I kind of equate to it's my like Grateful Dead or my Dave Matthews bands. You know, you have those fans of those bands who just like go to every show and just like everything they put out, they Mm -hmm. just they just devour it. Yeah, they just devour it. Um, I can really put any song from that album on that list. I know you guys have talked about this in the past in previous shows where you like you really love an artist so much that you hope that they don't become popular because you just want them to be yours. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that's like sense? a double-edged sword. You want
1: them to be popular yes. but you don't want yes, them. Yes,
2: you want be. them to be popular but you don't want them to be popular because you know what? They really speak to you but I don't want them to sh- I don't want to share them with everybody else. Yeah.
0: Because you don't want the shallowness that people have in that music. You want you know there's something that means more to you and you yes. know that if it becomes really popular that people will not have that same kind of feel. they'll have a surface yeah, surface yes, uh, you know uh, liking Correct. of it. or they'll like it because other people like it. We talk about that, you know, with pop music yeah. Right. yeah. and it, and they're yeah. not liking it for the reasons that we do where there's some real depth to the why the artist wrote it and why it means something to us. Yep. yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: And it's so it's so I easily could have picked song for the dumped or and my first choice was one angry dwarf and 200 solemn faces because when i re- initially heard heard brick i i went out and got the tape and then then that's the first song on the tape that you hear is one is one angry dwarf and i'm He's like counting the songs
0: off the album <laughs> i got tally marks going on
1: <laughs> so is that all of our fives that is our five and with that yeah. we can put 97 to bed Yes, we can. We can,
0: like you know, before we finish, friend. I, you know, I'm, I'm just going to make sure that I say uh, at the end of this show that Mark, thank you for coming on and being part of the show with us. Yeah. It's been Thanks, great. Bro. And, and, and for Thanks, your, your willingness to share with us, both of you guys have been very significant in my life. I talk about the summer camp that I went to. I'll never forget the day that Mark walked into the movie theater that I was working at and looked at me and said, Hey, do you wanna come work at a summer camp for a week and volunteer? And that, that changed my life. And I'll never forget the time Matt came over and said, hey, can I store my bass amp at your house for a while? Cause I don't have space for it. And, and that that changed my life. And both of you guys have had a great impact on where I am today. And it, you know, talking about music with you, Matt, and quite honestly, living in Scotland, it probably extends back to that day that you asked me to come and work at summer camp and uh, but yeah (laughs) it does though you know it does so we're done with 97 and
1: you chose 97 so I'm going to choose where we're going next and I am going to choose 2019 so we don't have to go too far back in uh,
0: our lives to figure out what was going on it should be mostly on the tip of our tongues all right so if we do 2019 you got to make a deal with me We're probably going to hit a lot of shitty pop music that you don't like again. And we're going to put this to rest. I am going to, I am going to do my best to talk about what I enjoyed. That sounds good. And let's try to wrap our heads around why pop music is the way it is and why it has sounded like it did for, you know, the past.
1: Why are you the way that you are?
0: (laughs) (laughs) We'll have to find that out.
1: (laughs) All right. So we're going to wrap up this episode of the jam yearbook and say goodbye. Thank you again, Mark. For being our very first thank guest and guys, what an excellent Rob. guest you were, and again thank you to everybody for tuning in and participating in the polls and everything on the Facebook page. And we will see you next time for Version 2019. Say goodbye, fellas. Goodbye,
2: goodbye fellas. Peace, love, and podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Bob.